Hello wise and wicked friends. Today we are looking into Dame Alice Kittler, the first Irish woman ever to be accused of witchcraft. We will delve into how she got her wealth, her followers, and how Alice Kittler became known as the Witch of Kilkenny. Was she in fact a witch, or was she just plain evil? Hello and welcome to The Wise and the Wicked. My name is KJ. I have started this podcast as a means to educate myself and whoever fancies listening about different historical facts and figures which you may or may not have heard of. This means we look at all things crime, history, problematic ones and the problem solvers. In the spirit of spooky season, I have decided to go down a bit of a mystical route. This led me to asking the wonderful internet if there was any witch trials in Ireland. Turns out there was. Witch trials were not as common in Ireland as they were in some of our European neighbours, but they did in fact happen. Today we are going to look at the first known case of a witch in Ireland. We are travelling all the way back to 1324 to the trial of Alice Kittler, the Witch of Kilkenny. Before we jump in, just a disclaimer for today's story, we will be discussing murder, crimes, demons, potions, and some pretty graphic descriptions, so listener discretion is advised. Also, a friendly reminder that all of this took place in 1324. A lot of it is alleged. So let's get cracking. I want to set the scene a little bit here. There was a lot going on in Ireland around this time between the late 1200s, early 1300s, and it needs a bit of context. So I will be giving you a bit of a brief history lesson. So if we look back to the early 12th century, this saw the arrival of Normans in Ireland. Shortly thereafter, King Henry II of England came to Ireland to, you know, assert English control over the country. They started by doing so in the east of the country. The Normans began to extend their control in the east and the south of the country. They established a network of lordships, built castles, all that good stuff. Meanwhile, in the northern and western parts of Ireland, Gaelic lords continued to resist English rule and they established their own regional kingdoms, maintaining their culture and the Gaelic language. Ireland remained divided between Anglo-Norman controlled areas, the Gaelic lords and the more autonomous Irish clans. This led to constant conflicts, shifting alliances and the region became pretty politically unstable. And so it remained for a very long time. Soon the Pope also got involved. The Pope at this time issued papal bills to support English claims to Ireland. This further legitimised their control and contributed to even higher tensions. Jumping on ahead then to 1315, saw Scottish forces invading in Ireland to with the aim to expel English rule. 
While there was some support from the Gaelic lords, the invasion was not a success and would leave Ireland terrorised by the fighting. The oppression of centuries-long tensions were still rife in the air. This war completely devastated an already fragile Ireland. What is important for today's story is to just note that this was a time of very high tension. At this time, our story takes place in 1324, Kilkenny was already under English rule. So, our main lady today, Alice Kettler. Alice Kittler was born sometime in the mid-1200s. There was no exact date that I could see, but she was the beautiful daughter of Flemish family of merchants who had settled in the centre of Kilkenny in Ireland. Kittler grew up to be a very wealthy and very well-known woman in the area. She was the local owner of an inn. She was the wife of a very wealthy moneylender. And Alice was a very well-connected with very powerful friends. Kittler married her first husband, a very wealthy banker and moneylender, called William Outlaw, in around 1280. At the time of their marriage, he was 20 years her senior. Together, they had a son, also by the name of William Outlaw. For the sake of the story, I am going to refer to the son as William Outlaw Jr. And they also had a daughter they called Rose. Their marriage would not last very long, unfortunately, as William Outlaw Sr. died very suddenly and somewhat mysteriously in 1302. As was common for the time, Kittler soon went on to marry husband number two. So little time had passed between her first two marriages that many assumed the two had a hand in the death of William Outlaw Sr. Nothing was ever proven, however, and this was soon put down to just a rumour. Husband number two was a man named Adam LeBlond of Callan. Kittler and LeBlond were married around 1302. Like husband number one, LeBlond was a moneylender as well. He had children of his own from previous marriages, so Kittler was now also a stepmother. This marriage became her most well-known, as it was during this time that the suspicious activities began to arise around her and her money. It was common for people in the area of Kilkenny at the time to be envious of those who were wealthy. Kittler was no exception. Her and her husband were known for their notorious amounts of wealth. In 1303, for reasons I couldn't really find, Kittler's son, William Outlaw, had his house raided by the authorities. The family was involved in a court case at the time and during the raid there was over £3,000 seized in the house. It was said that this money belonged to Kittler and LeBlond. This amount of money equates to around £2 million today. The group were deemed innocent of the charges but the scandal brought to light just how much money they actually had, making them one of the richest families in Kilkenny at the time. In 1307, Leblond made a very unusual decision. He decided to change his will, and all of the money and all of his assets would be left to his stepson, William Outlaw Jr. Now, as we said, he did have children of his own, and this move essentially would leave them with nothing. And it is said the reasons for him doing this were completely unknown. Soon after the changing of his will, Adam Leblond died, making Kittler a widow for the second time. As you can imagine, the rumour mill was hopping. 
But despite this, Kettler moved on to marry husband number three in 1309, two years after the death of Adam Leblond. Kettler this time would marry a prominent aristocrat named Richard Duval. Duval also had children of his own from previous marriages. Yet again, Kettler would become a stepmother, and Kettler and her son William Outlaw Jr. would profit very generously during the marriage. By 1316, Richard Duval, husband number three for whoever's counting, died. However, after this death, Kettler did not get any of the money she was owed. Her newest stepson, who was also called Richard Duval, I know a lot of the names are quite similar, stick with me, husband of, sorry, son of husband number three. He withheld her widow's dower, which was the payment that she was legally obliged to get once she was widowed. Kittler at this time took her newest stepson to court in an effort to get what she was legally entitled to. Though this seems fair enough, there were already many suspicions of Kittler and her wealth and this only fueled the fire. Soon after the death of her third husband, Kittler was married again, this time to a knight, Sir John Lepoir. Not only was he a knight, but his father was Lord Arnold Lepoir was one of the most powerful nobles in Kilkenny. This gave Kittler an even more powerful friend in a very unsettled time in Kilkenny. Just to flick back to our little history lesson at the beginning of the episode, when we were talking about the Scottish invasion in Ireland in 1315, this was all going on in the background of today's story and the war was waging in the country and we were losing people in droves. It was also around this time, around 1315 to 1317, that the Great Famine arrived in Europe, leaving the people with failed harvests three years in a row. The people in Ireland and indeed Kilkenny were suffering greatly. It was estimated that between 10 and 20% of our population was killed between war and famine during this time. Also around this time, Kilkenny had a new bishop. He was the Bishop of Ossory, Richard Ladred. Bishop Ladred arrived in Ireland in 1317. He was actually appointed directly by the running Pope at the time, Pope John XXII. Upon his arrival, he was completely appalled at how his predecessor had ran the Diocese of Kilkenny. The Bishop Ladred realised that many of his clergy were keeping concubines, fights amongst people of the cloth and locals were commonplace, and the clergy members were singing what he called, quote, foul secular songs. He soon gathered the clergy from across Kilkenny and he made it abundantly clear how things were going to be run from now on. He demanded that none of the clergy were allowed to keep concubines, only certain songs were to be sung and anyone who attacked any member of the church would be excommunicated. In addition to these rules, Ladred announced to the local public, along with the, those of the cloth, that if anyone had any knowledge of any heresy in the area, were to report it to him within a period of 30 days. This left many pretty confused, but it was soon realised that Bishop Ladred was obsessed with heresy. 
Bishop Ladred's fixation on witchcraft and heresy actually kind of makes sense when you look at his relationship with Pope John XXII, who had a very lively fear of sorcery and actually claimed that his life was in danger from witchcraft. It wasn't until the mid-1200s that witchcraft was seen as such a heinous crime. Before that, it was more of a petty crime. Magic had always existed in one form or another. Most popular medicines at the time were made by good witches. The idea of witchcraft being an inversion of Christianity, though, came a little bit later, around 1250s. It began to be seen as heresy and devil worship, and not a performance of ritual magic like it was previously. By the 1300s, the fear of witchcraft was very prominent. So, in 1324, when Alice Kettler's stepchildren came to Bishop Ladred and first accused her of practicing witchcraft, he took it very seriously. Alice Kettler's stepchildren believed that Kettler and some of her followers were using witchcraft to bewitch their fathers into marrying her. She would then ensure that all of their wealth would be left to her and her son, and then again, using magic, she would murder them, leaving their children with nothing. Bishop Ladred made it his top priority to bring Hitler to justice. In Bishop Ladred's mind, Hitler was a heretic and she was working side by side with the devil. All he needed to do was prove it. Not only were there charges against Hitler, they were also brought against those who they believed were helping her in her crimes. These were her son, of course, William Outlaw Jr., a local man by the name of William Pay, and Petronella de Meath, who was Kittler's servant at the time. Seven charges were raised against her and her associates. These charges were as follows. Quote, One, they were denying Christ and the church. Two, they cut up living animals and scattered the pieces across roads as offerings to a demon called Son of Art in return for his help. 3. They stole the keys of the church and held meetings there at night. 4. In the skull of a robber, they placed the intestines and internal organs of cocks, worms, nails cut from dead bodies, hairs from the buttocks and clothes from boys who had died before becoming baptised. 5. That from this brew they made potions to incite people to love, hate, kill and afflict Christians. 6. That Alice herself had a certain demon as incubus by whom she permitted herself to be known carnally, and that he appeared to her as either a cat, a shaggy black dog, or as a black man, from whom she received her wealth. 7. That Alice had used sorcery to murder some of her husbands and to infiltrate others, with the result that they gave all of their possessions to her and her son, William Outlaw thus impoverishing her stepchildren. There were also some questions around this time raised about her current husband, Sir John Lepoire. He was one of her biggest advocates, but around the time of 1324, he began to look emaciated. It was said that his nails were torn out and he had no body hair left, which was consistent with arsenic poisoning. Strangely enough, there were many rules around prosecution in the Middle Ages in Ireland. 
First, the person in question had to be excommunicated from the church for a period of 40 days before they could be arrested. Bishop Ladred did not want to wait, however. His goal was to bring Kittler and her son William to justice as soon as possible as they were dealing with witchcraft. Any time spent could alert them to his plan and put him at risk. So Bishop Ladred skipped the excommunication rule and went straight to the Chancellor of Ireland to ask them to issue an arrest warrant for both Alice Kittler and her son William Outlaw Jr. A move he would really regret later on. Bishop Ladred assumed that the Chancellor would be as outraged and concerned as he was and issue the arrests while overlooking the fact that he never excommunicated the parties from the church. Not only did the Chancellor not do this, he refused to issue the warrants, but he actually wrote back to Bishop Ladred and told him to back off and not pursue either Alice Kittler or William Outlaw again. It turns out that the Chancellor of Ireland in 1324 was a man named Roger Outlaw, the brother of William Outlaw Sr., husband number one, and the uncle of William Outlaw Jr., This was the start of Bishop Ladred's realisation that Kittler had many powerful friends. This attempt totally backfired and served to only warn both Kittler and William about what the bishop was trying to do. It also allowed them to get their allies together. Lord Arnold Lapoire, so current father-in-law, father of Sir John Lapoire, who was under suspected poisoning, also wrote to the bishop and warned him not to pursue the case. The bishop was not deterred and he ignored all the warnings he received. He carried out his procedures to the letter of the law, first excommunicating Kittler from the church. At this time it was said that Alice Kittler herself sensed the danger and ran away to Dublin. He pushed on in her absence and it was around this time that Lord Arnold Lapoire and William Outlaw Jr. paid the bishop a visit. This meeting went on for several hours where they again, calmly, asked Bishop Ladred to back off. Again, he refused. Lord Arnold Lapoire and William Outlaw were going to stop at nothing to get Bishop Ladred to stop this. Lord Arnold Lapoire started by ordering a representative of his church to arrest Bishop Ladred. This meant that the bishop would spend the next 17 days in prison. This was to both intimidate and physically stop Bishop Ladred from pursuing his case. While he was imprisoned, the local people held their breath, unsure of what was going to happen next. Bishop Ladred's arrest followed by him placing the Diocese of Kilkenny under interdict. This effectively meant that everyone in Kilkenny was locked out of the church and the clergy was on strike, meaning that no Christian rites such as baptisms, weddings or burials would be able to take place. For the Middle Ages, this was absolutely terrifying. They had just lived through war and famine and plague and now this was threatening their souls and threatening them seeing their loved ones in the afterlife. In the Middle Ages, the belief and existence of hell and hellfire was very prominent. The belief that if you died before you were baptised, you would not get into heaven, and similarly if you did not receive your last rites. And to top all of this off, this was all happening at a time when a city was being accused of conspiracy at work with the devil. You can imagine the terror of the local people. While in his cell, Ladred would hell a virtual court in the prison, and the clergy and the laity flocked 
to him in the prison was constantly full of visitors. With Bishop Ladred in prison, both Lord Arnold Lapoire and William Outlaw Jr. were able to go around the country to ask about Bishop Ladred to see if anyone had made any complaints about him. William Outlaw Jr. went to the archives in the Chancery to see if he could find any filed accusations. Ultimately, this search was pretty fruitless, and after 17 days, the Bishop Ladred was released from prison and he did not go quietly. He left the prison shouting, quote, It will not do for a bishop imprisoned for his faith in Christ to walk out of this prison as if he were a thief or a murderer. When Bishop Ladred was released from prison, notices were placed all over Kilkenny. The city gates, the walls, the church doors, these were all notices, were copies of an edict from Bishop Ladred demanding both William Outlaw and Alice Kittler to appear before him to answer the charges levelled against them. It was clear that Bishop Ladred was not afraid of Lord Arnold Lapoire and his attempts to scare or intimidate him. If anything, this just fueled his desire to pursue even more. However, Alice Kittler and William Outlaw Jr. were not short of allies. Lord Honor Lapoire sent a sergeant with royal writ requiring Bishop Ladred to appear in Dublin before the Justicer of Ireland to explain why he put his diocese under interdict and to explain the complaints that the Lord Arnold Lapoire had made against him. Bishop Ladred was too fearful of travelling to Dublin at the time and he had sent a proctor in his place. At this time, he would have had to pass through Lord Arnold Lapoire's lands to get there and he was too afraid to do this. This excuse, however, was not accepted and the interdict on his diocese was lifted. The next confrontation occurred in Kilkenny while Lord Arnold Lapoire was holding his court. Bishop Ladred asked to address the court and pleaded for the arrests of the heretics in the area. Lord Arnold refused. The bishop was not going to back down. A few days later, he arrived in Liberty Court, dressed in full epicoscal regalia and carried a chapter of the Decretal concerning heretics. He was accompanied in full by the cathedral chapter as well. Here he publicly demanded that Lord Arnold Lapoire must obey the church and arrest Alice Kittler and William Outlaw Jr. Lord Arnold Lapoire again refused and this time calling the bishop, quote, an ignorant, low-born vagabond from England. The bishop left the court again, appealing for the arrests of Kittler and William Outlaw. Bishop Ladred was once more summoned to Dublin and this time he actually did appear as he was certain he would have support. The letter the bishop received ordering him before the Justicar in Dublin had the king's seal and in it confirmed that his fellow bishops were going to be present. Not only were his bishops present, but also Lord Arnold Lapoire and William Outlaw Jr. And this was a chance for both sides to argue their case. Lord Arnold Lapoire claimed that he was not bound to obey Bishop Ladred's command saying, quote, If some vagabond from England has obtained his bill from the Pope's court, we do not have to obey it unless enjoined to us by the King's seal. What was even more interesting was that Lord Arnold Lapoire then appealed for solidarity from his fellow Anglo-Irish against the Englishman, stating, quote, As you know, heretics have never been found in Ireland. 
which has always been called the Island of Saints. Now, this foreigner comes from England and says we are all heretics and excommunicates. Defamation of this country affects every one of us. We all must unite against this man. Unfortunately, despite his powerful words, it was clear in this case that it was going to swing in the favour of Bishop Ladred. Insults and attacks on the church were not taken lightly, and therefore Bishop Ladred was allowed to pursue his case in Kilkenny. Alice Kettler, at this time sensing public opinion was gathering against her, fled, and this time she fled from Ireland, leaving behind her loyal followers, her son and her home. When the Justicer from Dublin arrived in Kilkenny, any support that was publicly carried out in the favour of William Outlaw and Alice Kittler had pretty much dissipated. Alice Kittler was legally declared a lapsed heretic and this was punishable by death. Therefore, she would never return to Kilkenny again. Later that same day, Bishop Ladred burned what he believed to be her ingredients in her potions that were found in her house. All of her possessions were confiscated. Bishop Ladred's next focus was on her son, William Outlaw. In order to avoid a death sentence, William Outlaw and his powerful friends decided to work out a bit of a compromise. William confessed to any and all involvement and submitted himself on bended knee to the bishop. In exchange for his confession, William Outlaw had to attend three masses a day for a year, give food to the poor and undertake to cover the roof of the cathedral with lead. Most unfortunate, though, was Alice Kittler's loyal servant, Petronella de Meath. Petronella did not have any powerful friends and would experience the bishop's full wrath. She was subjected to torture. She was whipped until she confessed, which in that time in the eyes of the court was actually legal. This confession was extracted publicly in front of a very large crowd. During her forced confession, Petronella said that Alice Kittler had in fact denied Jesus, she sacrificed animals, made potions in the skulls of decapitated robbers, and she had sex with an incubus, a demon who appeared before her in physical form. This testimony was clearly the creation of Bishop Ladred. It is said that these accusations were strikingly similar to those raised in the trial of the Knights Templar. And of course, at this time, Petronella would have no idea of the trials against the Knights Templar. And this is where the ideas had come from. And this really shows us the true nature of the case. Petronella was clearly asked leading questions and thus summoned this forced confession from her. After this, Petronella de Meath was condemned for sorcery. Later on the 3rd of November, 1324, Petronella de Meath was burned at the stake for witchcraft and heresy becoming the first person in Ireland ever to be burned in public. William Outlaw went on to serve his penance and Bishop Ladred never forgave the rest of the Lapuer family and tensions lived on. What happened to Alice Kittler herself is still unknown. She fled the country and she was never heard from ever again. There are many factors which led to such a terrible outcome there were long-term dislikes and resentments for Alice Kittler and her family in the area. Then Bishop Ladred himself had experience and knowledge of heresy elsewhere in Europe and the fear of the Pope that at that time made his response to the heretic allegations even more intense. What was also a factor was the politically charged conflict between church and state. 
as embodied in the dispute between Bishop Ledred and Arnold Lapoire, highlights most clearly that although there was precarious social, political and religious elements underpinned the entire case, ultimately it was a battle of personalities. And Petronella de Meath paid the ultimate price. So that, my friends, is the story of Alice Kittler, the Witch of Kilkenny. What do you think? Was she a witch? Was she a serial killer? Or was she just a widow that suffered a series of very unfortunate events? I would love to know. Please feel free to comment on any of my Instagram posts, send me a little message or leave a review. I will see you in two weeks. Happy Halloween.